everybody, and welcome to this week's views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well. Staying safe out there. Back for another week of Talking Sports. And we're going to be talking about this week pretty much a lot of football that's been going on. Going on with the NFL. Some college news to talk about. As I'm sure there's some big college news I, I want to talk about and give my thoughts finally. Having a couple days to kind of think about it, sleep on it, and kind of discuss you know, the the direction going forward. As of course, uh, you all may know, Tennessee hired a new coach, so I'm that's what I'm going to be talking about with them, hiring Josh Heupel from UCF. I'll talk a little bit about that. I'll also talk a little bit about the NFL, as the conference championship games were this Sunday, and talk about those, talk about a little bit of what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, if there's anything going to be happening there. Deshaun Watson finally requested a trade, officially requested a trade, as the Texans hired a new coach last night. A little bit of a shocker uh, of who they hired. I know they were wanting to talk to, Leslie, I think they talked to Leslie Frazier a second time. They wanted to talk to the enemy a second time. That didn't happen, and they went to another, another direction. But I don't think it mattered. Deshaun officially wants out, and we're going to get to see where he goes. And, you know, draft season's ramping up. So we'll see if some of those teams with top picks, like the Dolphins, Jets, or anybody else, will be willing to part with some of their top picks to go and get Deshaun Watson from the Texans. And and speaking of draft senior bowls going on, lots of stuff going on there. So, yeah. All season's kind of been getting started here for the NFL, but we still got the big game, the big one, and that is the Super Bowl coming up a little over a week in Tampa, Florida with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, me and Peter have talked about it. We are going to be trying to find a date to do our big Super Bowl pod that we usually do when it's around this time of year. So we're going to try to find a date where all three of us can maybe get together and maybe if not, maybe two of us where we can get together, discuss the game, do our usual prop bet stuff and talk about what all we may see as far as commercials and movie trailers, the halftime show. I'm actually amped for the halftime show with the weekend. I think it's going to be really good and discuss all that stuff. So hopefully we'll find a date sometime next week and we'll get that out to you guys, but it's going to be a fun Super Bowl. Brady versus Mahomes, their fifth matchup together, I believe. And if history's any, any indication, it's going to be an exciting one, and it's going to go right down to the wire. So, amped up for that. But let's talk about the championship games here really quick. With the AFC, let's talk about the Chiefs playing the Bills in this one. and. You weren't sure if Mahomes wasn't going to play. He comes out, and he actually plays pretty well, all things considered. He had a little bit of a toe injury. Also had to come out concussion protocol. So you had a couple things going on there with Mahomes that if you're a Chiefs fan that you were a little bit scared about and like how he was going to do against this Bills defense who has looked really who looked really good uh, the last few games. Looked really good, and you know, obviously we're worried about Mahomes 
you know, and see if he protecting him, protecting that toe, protecting and making sure that nobody gets a really big hit on him. But, you know, all things considered, Mahomes did not do bad. He looked pretty good, pretty much as you would want him to be. His regular 325 passing yards seems about the norm. Three touchdowns, 29 of 38. Tyreek Hill, another great day. <laughs> Nine receptions for 172 yards. Not, not a bad day. Not a bad day if you're a Chiefs fan. You beat the Bills 38-24. to 24. It just felt like it was a little bit too much there for the Bills. Going on the road at Kansas City, at Arrowhead. And the Chiefs, they move on to their second straight Super Bowl and see if Mahomes can get that second straight Super Bowl title and help his legacy. Now, speaking of legacies, let's move on to the NFC Championship game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers up at Lambeau. First time Aaron has hosted a conference championship game in his career. And so I think let's talk about some of speaking of Aaron, let's talk about him. Stats are good, 33-48, 346, and three touchdowns. You know, one, one pick. I think there was one pick. I know Brady had about three and – yeah, you know, it, it was. It's still crazy that they still found a way to win. But let's talk about what we saw some, out of Aaron laying that game, and we'll we'll discuss the decision by Matt Lafleur there late too. There were a couple times down in that red zone where there was nothing there. There's a little bit of space for him to run, and we know Aaron can. He he's not. A guy that's going to burn you with his speed. But he's able to move, get out of the pocket. He has a little bit of mobility and a chance to get some yardage if he needs to. We've, we've known that about him throughout his career. That If he can get outside the pocket, he can do something with his arm. Maybe he can get a few yards on the ground and move on to the next play. There were a couple times during this game that me and a lot of people in America were wondering, why didn't he run it in? Why why didn't he try to pull the ball down and try to get a few yards? Or why didn't he try to go run it into the end zone instead of trying to look for somebody? The answer, I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't have. And me and my dad were talking, you know, with our experience with Ryan Tannehill. That if that was Tannehill, he would have ran in there and done his little dance that he always does when he scores. And that would have been that. <laughs> there would have been points on the board for Green Bay. But he doesn't run it in. Aaron doesn't run it in. So I think that was something that... If Aaron, I, if I'm Aaron, that's something I go back and look at, and like I probably need to do that one or one or two of those times that he had the opportunity to. I would think that's something he would look back and say, probably he would do that. Now the Lafleur decision, that's awful. I mean, I get it. You kick a field goal, you're only down five points. 
you got some time to work with, but you got to remember who's on the other sideline, who's the other QB that you're facing. And despite you having some timeouts and you having Aaron Rodgers on your team, can't forget that. I don't know if that's the decision I would have gone for. Now, say say Tampa doesn't convert. Say Green Bay holds them. They get the ball back. And Green Bay is able to score. I mean, it's possible. In that case, Green Bay wins. They're heading to Tampa to play in Kansas City. But they go for the field goal. This offense in the red zone this year was stupid good. It was unbelievably one of the best red zone offenses this whole this whole year. And why wouldn't it be? You got uh, now. Aaron Jones did go out with an injury, so that was probably a little bit of a factor there. You having to rely on Williams and Dylan there in the backfield, but you have Tunyon, you have Adams, Valdez Scantling, Lazard. You got some guys down there that can go make plays in the red zone, and that's really a reason why they've been so successful this year. It's because they've had those guys that. When they've run Aaron Jones in there, he's been successful. A.J. Dillon, successful as well. And that's a key part as to why the red zone offense has been so good this year. When this game, it just really kind of sputtered there with Aaron not taking it in a couple times and with the floor deciding to go for a field goal. Now, maybe the analytics say they're in favor of that, but and that's the case, the analytics are wrong because hey, you know, if Green Bay gets it, they don't go for the field goal, they go for it on fourth and down. And they convert. Hey, I mean, it's a two point game and you go for the two point conversion. If you don't get it great, you can still get the ball back and then go kick a field goal with Mason Crosby. A really good field goal kicker. And still have a chance to win the game. If you do get the two-point conversion, great. You're just going to have to rely on your defense to go out there and stop Brady. Easier said than done. Even though they got three picks on them this game. That's easier said than done. So for Matt LaFleur, a lot of questions about that call are going to come from Sunday to the start of the season. And see if that's going to be something to watch out for in future games. If you're a Packers fan or if you're an NFL fan, you're watching the Packers because they are a fun team to watch. Their offense was was good this year with Aaron having an unbelievable year who's probably going to be MVP. Devontae Adams just going off on defensive backs. So now, Tampa Bay, they're moving on. Playing in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. First time that's ever happened with Tom leading the way. This wasn't Tom's best game by any means. Not at all. Again, three picks. Not good. And there were a few possessions where they happened on. Tampa couldn't get anything done. And that's another key thing where the battle was lost. Green Bay could not convert on any of those turnovers. They couldn't do anything with them. 
Tampa, when they turned Green Bay over, they were able to get some points on them. Green Bay, not so much. And that's another key thing with this game. Those are part of the three keys as to why uh, why the Green Bay Packers didn't win this game. Aaron didn't make the plays that were probably open that he probably needed to take. LaFleur, not a good call there on fourth down to kick the field goal. And then Green Bay just not being able to do anything with those turnovers. Like, even if you get a field goal out of them, that's still better than nothing. And they got a whole lot of nothing on those three turnovers from Brady. I think they only got three points, if that, off turnovers. So for Green Bay, a lot of questions going into the offseason. And, of course, one question is Aaron Rodgers. And he's made some comments as to maybe spark some talk about, like, could he want out? And, you know, first of all, I would under, I would understand if Aaron wants out. They drafted a quarterback this past draft. They could have drafted somebody to help, whether that's on offense or whether that's on defense, an impact player on one side of the ball where it could have really helped in this type of situation. Say if Aaron has another weapon, opposite of Adams that's really come on as a rookie, then, hey, maybe they'll take some pressure off Devontae. They'll look over to the rookie's way, and, hey, you could have two options where if you're Aaron, you can rely on them. Or if it's defense, you can have a guy out there that just is an impact player and maybe causes some havoc for Tom Brady, causes havoc for some of those Tampa Bay offensive weapons. So I would understand if he's not as happy with them for doing that and over the years just not getting him any weapons high in the draft or in free agency at all. But I don't think you trade Aaron Rodgers. The guy is about to win MVP this year for a reason. Maybe that's because they drafted Jordan Love. You know, maybe that's the reason and that he was just ticked off. I mean, that was my assumption of why he was playing so well this year is that you know, they see he sees they draft Jordan Love, and he's just ticked off about it. He just goes and shows him, hey, I'm still Aaron Rodgers. I'm still really good. All right, I can put up an MVP caliber season, even though you just drafted my replacement. So that may be something there as to why he could maybe want out. But I don't see, you know, Green Bay trading him. I don't see why they would. I don't see why Aaron would for some reasons. But there's a couple reasons like that. Like them drafting Jordan Love. Like them not giving him any help. Like they should. That I could see why. And I just don't know. How would you be able to trade him with this contract and not knowing what the cap's going to be? That's another concern. What's What the cap is going to be this year is going to be significantly lower than in past years due to COVID. So you're going to have to learn how to handle your cap room if you're if you're one of these teams in the NFL. If you're a team that has like a boatload of cap, you're not going to have to worry a thing about it. But if you're a team that's like the Packers that has a lot of good players and pay, pays a lot of money, especially to Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have some decisions to work out. See who you're going to keep or, or who you're going to let go. And who are you going to, you know, Aaron Jones is one of them. His contract's coming up. What are you going to do? Are you going to try to re-sign him or 
has AJ Dillon instilled enough confidence in you that you could feel fine about letting Aaron Jones go and letting AJ Dillon be the guy in the backfield? Maybe you know Jamal Williams have a two-handed two-headed monster back there with those two. Maybe so. But who would you trade Aaron to? Well, the one team that comes to mind is San Francisco. The team that probably should have taken him number one all those years ago. And oh, by the way, he's from California. He's from close by in that area. So it would have made so it would make sense. Working with Kyle Shanahan and that offense. That's a solid defense you got going on there in San Francisco. You're going to get a lot of those pieces back. Nick Bosa, you're going to get him back. But what would a trade for Aaron Rodgers look like? Probably with Nick Bosa or some other good star, young star that you have on that roster. Where where else? I don't know. Jets? Probably not. I, I seriously would doubt that. Indianapolis, maybe? That could be an option. Philly? I just don't see how you would be able to trade him. It, it would be extremely tough to trade him. and I don't think Green Bay should think about it. I don't think Aaron wants to think about moving on from Green Bay. I think he wants to play his career there. Even though, despite them drafting Jordan Love, despite them not drafting him any help on the offense side of the ball, or even just on the defense side of the ball where it could have made a difference in a game like this. I just don't see him moving on. I think he's still going to be in Green Bay. But nonetheless, Tampa moves on. Brady goes on to his 10th Super Bowl. Wild stat. And he has a chance to get his 7th ring right here. To If he wasn't the GOAT already, he's going to really cement it if he wins this Super Bowl. So. Tampa, Kansas City, they played earlier this year in week number 12 where Patrick Mahomes just went off and Tyreek just put up stupid stats in the first quarter, which I personally thank him as a as a Tyreek Hill uh, fantasy football owner of him on my team. I really appreciated that first quarter of him just absolutely just blowing Tampa secondary out of the water. Looking at you, Carlton Davis. I don't see any of that happening this year. This game, I think they've learned their lesson. But the Chiefs got have a multitude of weapons to worry about. You got Tyreek, of, of course. You got Kelsey. Kelsey's been amazing this year. Even more so than probably years past. Nicole Hardman. Demarcus Robinson. You got some guys out there. Le'Veon might be able to play. Maybe Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to be going to be back to his usual stuff. Thing with Kansas City though, you are going to have to be worried about your offensive line. Eric Fisher is not going to play towards Achilles. I hate it for him. So the Chiefs are going to be out another starter on that offensive line, and that's obviously concerning. Considering this Tampa Bay defense is pretty solid, you got two edge rushers in JPP and Shaq Barrett, and then you got Devin White, Levante David back there as well. You know, Vita Vey is coming back. Antoine Winfield Jr. is coming back for this game, who's had a really underrated rookie season for this Tampa Bay squad. And then on the Tampa Bay side, A.B., 
Hopefully, he's going to get to play. How about the former Steelers in this game, A.B. and Le'Veon? Which one would you prefer to win, guys? I know I think Peter has said he would prefer Le'Veon to win because Le'Veon can go back to his rap career and write a diss track or something about the Steelers. So, we'll see a former Steeler, one of these guys, get a ring. It'll be interesting to see how they react after getting a ring, for sure. So, maybe A.B. plays, maybe he doesn't. Mike Evans, Godwin, you know, guys that haven't been in the spot before. Gronk, you know, how, how are Kansas City going to guard these guys this time? What lessons will these teams learn from that game in Week 12? And what and how will they apply it to this game coming up? And this, and this game that's 10 times bigger than that game in Tampa in Week 12. And that's a key part for Kansas City. They already played in Tampa, against Tampa before. So they know what it's like. It's probably going to be a little different because it's going to be in February. It's going to be a little bit, it might be a little bit colder. I don't know. It's that Florida weather, you guys know. that It's crazy. So I'm really going to be excited to see what this game brings to us. Honestly, a whole lot of Brady and Mahomes talk. And could Mahomes get a second title in two? Is back to back hasn't been done, I think, since Brady all the, all these years ago. And could Brady get number seven here? Could he add another ring to his ring collection already? There's going to be a whole lot of legacy talk with these two, as Mahomes has got off to a really good start with his. And Brady's just trying to cement his even more. So this Super Bowl will be one to watch. And hopefully we'll find a date next week to talk about it all. Make a lot of stupid prop bets that won't cost us any money. <laughs> but uh, we'll be fun to talk about nonetheless. Uh, and seeing what transpires from the game. The commercials are always fun. Trailers. See what trailers drop and see if anything's going to move around. I guess is yes. Halftime show. Again, I'm really excited for this halftime show. I think it's going to be fun. So, yeah. Super Bowl in Tampa next week. Really looking forward to it. And it's going to be a lot of fun with these two offenses battling it out. So, speaking of other quarterbacks that could get traded, uh, I know I mentioned Deshaun at the top. I'll get to him here in a bit. But uh, Matthew Stafford, it looks like he and the Lions are going to be Departing from one another, Lions are going to try to find a trade for him. And it'll be really interesting to see where Stafford goes. Because Stafford is a guy that I think a lot of people underrate that he is, he's been pretty good for the Lions. He's just been always in that crappy situation up there in Detroit. And maybe the Texans make a move after him. He's a, he's a Texas kid after all. Maybe... The Texans, they don't want any of these quarterbacks in the draft. And let's say they make a trade with the Jets or the Dolphins. That puts them in a position to take one of them. Maybe they don't want them. Maybe they feel like, hey, let's go get Stafford. And let's just use all of our picks that we got from this huge Deshaun Watson trade that help build this team around Stafford and build it up for this new coach. Maybe that's a move that they're looking to make. Maybe New Orleans is a possibility. Drew Brees is gone. 
but it's going to be hard with their cap situation. I think it's more likely the Saints probably try to find somebody in the draft unless they feel really confident in Taysom Hill to be their guy or if they want to bring back Jameis Winston to be their quarterback. It's a, it's a possibility. Maybe Washington's a possibility for Stafford. You, you know, that could be a, a possibility for him. You got a nice young defense in Washington where he doesn't he can count on them to make make some plays in big time moments considering that front four that they got and if they continue to get better and add into it it will only help them even more i still really like the texans as a spot it makes a whole lot of sense but we'll have to see what happens with Sean first we'll have to see what happens with him and who he gets traded to could he get traded to the Jets and the Jets trade Sam Darnold over to Houston? So that could be a possibility that knocks Stafford out. Maybe so. But uh, that it's definitely going to be a situation to watch. Maybe he goes to Indy. You know, we're throwing out all these teams that have had quarterbacks retire or leaving or stuff like that. In Indy, he's got a couple guys there. You know, Michael Pittman has done really well. For Indy in his first year, you got T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, a couple guys there on offense. Jonathan Taylor, a really good rookie year, came on strong. You got a really good offense line. You are losing Anthony Cazanzo at left tackle, so you're going to have to address that. But other than that, the offensive line is good. That defense really came on, is really good. So that could be another spot. One of the two AFC South teams I think are probably the best spots for Stafford. But uh, we're going to have to see where the, the Lions trade them. Uh, if one of these teams are willing to depart with a first-round pick, I know that's their asking price. And who knows, maybe the Jets decide to, decide to do a Deshaun trade and they trade both their first-round picks and the Texans... I don't think Stafford would be, would be worth what the number two pick if they did a trade with the Jets. Probably the number 23rd pick is probably the one that you would go with if you're going to do a Stafford trade. Where, I mean, it's I mean for the Lions, I mean, hey, I mean, I guess you can't ask for the Lions for that. Uh, ask the Texans for that. I mean. They're not going to trade the number two pick for the, for Matthew Stafford. They're just not. So, but maybe you can get some other assets to maybe wheel and deal. Or maybe you can find an option in free agency and uh, bring them in. But it'll be interesting offseason to see where these QBs go. A lot of movement with Stafford, with Watson. Maybe Wentz if he still wants out. You know, what's going to happen with Pittsburgh? Is is the Big Ben era getting close to being over? I know Peter's praying for it. So it'll be definitely uh, a thing to watch, as it always is, to see where all these quarterbacks go and see if some of these teams' trajectory changes any at all and see if that puts them over the top or if you, you kind of scratch your head and kind of think about it a little bit and like why they do that. But it'll be one to watch. And speaking of... Texans and their whole situation. They hired David Coley from the Baltimore Ravens. 
He's been coaching for 27 years. He's been around Harbaugh, Reed, a couple other guys. He's been around the league. He's seen it all. 27 years in the league, and he's 65 years young, and he's getting his first head coaching job with the Houston Texans. And in all likelihood, he's going to have a new quarterback to work with, whether that's a young guy they get in the draft or whether it's a veteran guy they get in free agency or via trade, like Stafford. So they hired David Coley, and the Eagles hired Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts, to be their new head coach. He'll bring some Frank Reich principles from that offense, I believe, and Frank Reich, years ago, was Indy's offensive coordinator, or was Philly's offensive coordinator, and you saw how that worked with that offense with Carson Wentz. Arguably some of the best he's played in that type of system. So if you're feeling you're hoping you get that you get those Frank Wright principles from that offense back in there and maybe and you know, maybe hope that Carson Wentz goes back to form and looks like the guy that he did back when Frank Reich was still handling that offense. So Two new hires. Every hire in the NFL is now officially filled. And so, no more coaching stuff with the NFL. We're, we're going to find out a lot about player movement here in the weeks to come after the Super Bowl gets done. As I said, the draft is ramping up as well. So, a whole lot of stuff going on in full swing with the NFL. A lot of moves to be made. And it will be fun to see what's going to happen. Just thinking about a year ago now, we were talking about where's Brady going to go and all that stuff, or when free agency was going to be, or what are they going to do about the draft. And here we are, almost a year later, talking about some of that stuff, getting ready to start. So it should be a fun offseason once we get to it, but we still got the big game. We still got one big game to figure out who's going to be the champion of this NFL season, of this unique NFL season. So, with that being said, let's move on and let's talk some college football. This is probably where we're going to end it for this week. There's been some NBA stuff out there, but I don't feel the need to talk about that. It's just, you know, regular season stuff. You know, there's been talk about them trying to get the All-Star game being played in Atlanta sometime later down the road. And we'll see how that goes there's MVP talk with LeBron doing well and Embiid playing really well. Kevin Durant and you know, how are the Brooklyn Nets doing now with all three of those guys playing? Five and two since the Harden trade, not bad. But, you know, it's just NBA regular season stuff that's going on. A lot of surprising stuff with, with some of those MVP candidates and LeBron just unbelievable just seeing what he's doing at age 36. I mean, it's unbelievable. But, you know, with the NBA, that's some of the stuff out there. But let's talk some college football and let's talk about the thing you guys would probably want me to hear talk about, knowing how big of a Tennessee fan I am. is, And that is Tennessee, after hiring their new AD, Danny White, from a few days ago from UCF, and after a coaching search that I've been vigorously keeping up with and trying to find out any source of info that I can, whether it's via message boards, Twitter, or something like that, 
So let's get right on into it. Tennessee hiring Josh Heupel, the head coach at UCF, 28-8 record there at UCF. Been the coach there since 2018, since Scott Frost left for the Nebraska job. As offenses have been really successful at UCF, fishing in the top five in all three of his years at UCF in total offense, with the last two years finishing as the number two team in the country in total offense. That's pretty good. He's also got some SEC experience coaching at Mizzou for a couple years. When he came to Mizzou, they were averaging 13 points a game. First year there at Mizzou, jumps up to 31 points per game. 2017, 37 and a half. And also really helped Drew Locke in his development to get where he needed to be and got him to be a second-round quarterback, taking the draft by the Broncos. He's also had some experience coaching at Utah State and at Oklahoma where he was the Heisman quarterback, uh, Heisman runner-up quarterback for the Sooners back in 2000, finishing runner-up behind Chris Wanky, who, fun fact, is probably going to be the former quarterback coach at Tennessee. So the Heisman runner-up is probably going to let go of the Heisman winner. Also another fun fact, to make you feel a little bit older, Drew Brees and Ladanian Tomlinson were in that same draft and were in that same Eisman race. That's actually crazy thing about it. Thoughts just just crossed my mind. LT, Drew Brees, they were on the Chargers at one point together. That's got to be wild if you're if you think about that. So he says it had some experience there at Oklahoma as a coach and as a player. As a coach, their offenses did great. He was co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach there. And their offenses have always been were successful then. They still are now. And so there's a pretty consistent track record for Heupel's offenses to be explosive, high-powered, get guys, get your skill position players out in space. Also done a really good job with quarterbacks, including his time at UCF with McKenzie Milton and Dylan Gabriel as of recent. So, well, as a Tennessee fan, you're probably a little bit underwhelmed from the hire that you took a big swings at coaches. And, I mean, you know the situation that you're in. It was going to be tough to hire somebody that you really wanted to hire a big name like a Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, James Franklin. It was going to be tough. And I think we we were probably all kind of let down. But after sleeping on it, I feel a little bit more comfortable with this hire. I felt I, I when I was first hearing the stuff coming out about it, I was like, you know, it was leaked on Tuesday night that a couple of all beat reporters were reporting like, hey, you know, he's emerging as the top candidate. And Danny White was saying the only two leaks he's ever had in a coaching search were from this one. So he's getting to work on it already. But I think it's probably the best that it leaked because I think it let a lot of Vol fans, including myself, sleep on it, see how I feel about it in the morning. And when the, the news officially was made official yesterday morning, on Wednesday morning, it's like, okay, he's got explosive offenses. That's something that we needed for a while. Crap. I don't know if Tennessee's offenses these last three years with Pruitt knew how to, knew what a slant pass was. 
I didn't know if they knew that, hey, with two timeouts and 40 seconds, you can still try to go and score points instead of milking the clock and, ta- and taking the game into halftime. You know. So with this hire, I definitely feel that there's going to be a really good offense coming up for Tennessee this upcoming season. And yeah, you are losing some players. Eric Gray's going to Oklahoma. Wayne Morris is going to Oklahoma as well. You may get some of those guys from the transfer portal back, maybe, if it's possible. And you'll have to see how that goes. But I'm really excited for the offense. There's some young playmakers out there. They're inexperienced, but they're young. They got a lot of talent there. I'm really excited. There's some talent in the running back room, despite losing Eric Gray and Ty Chandler, who's going to North Carolina. So there's talent there. It's just inexperience and try to help it grow and see what it does. I'm really excited for these quarterbacks with Harrison Bailey, Keon Salter, see if Maurer maybe stays there. They brought in Virginia Tech, former Virginia Tech quarterback Hendon Hooker, who I think could be a really good dual threat type of guy for this type for this offense. And he has a consistent track record of explosive offense and putting his quarterbacks in a place to succeed and do well. And I think these quarterbacks are going to be put in a position where it's going to be exactly that. They're going to be put in a position where they're going to be they're going to have success. And also, I don't think Hypo would have started Garantano these last three years. That's just me, though. I don't think he would have started him. I mean, he goes and starts stealing Gabriel as a freshman when McKenzie Milton went down. So that gives me the idea that, hey, Garantano ain't working. Throw one of these young guys in here. But honestly, for the thing for Heupel, that's going to be the key to his success is that, yeah, he's had SEC experience, but get some guys to recruit. You know, being a Tennessee fan, you know how recruiting uh, is essential to the program and trying to recruit really well and get some guys that know the, the South. And, yeah, I, I know part of that may be overrated, knowing the South and recruiting there, but – and really, sometimes if you look at it, it is essential in knowing the South and knowing how to recruit in the South with the Georgias and Alabamas of the world and every other SEC team out there. It's tough. And so you're going to have to get some guys to recruit. And also defensive-wise, he's def- his defenses have not been all that great. And so for him to succeed, he's really going to have to find a defensive staff that's going to be lights out. That's really going to help them out there. But I think with offense, one thing that you're going to watch out for is that offense is going to put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses. I really like the way he had to say about his offensive philosophy. It's not just going to be just slinging around. We're going to run it too. You know, Tennessee brought three running backs in this last cycle. They got some running backs in that running back room. Even though Eric Gray's left, Ty Chandler's left, there's still some guys in there that you can work with. I just think he, if he gets recruiting figured out, he and the 2022 class for Tennessee, that's another big thing he's talked about is the 2022 class and being able to close Tennessee's borders and keeping some of the in-state guys in the state. And 2022 is a big year for Tennessee in-state for recruiting. 
a lot of big time guys, and you got to keep them home. You got to keep them home. And so if he gets some recruiters to help him out with that, hopefully that's a good sign. And then if he gets a, a pretty solid defensive staff where they can just go out, play defense, be aggressive there, and then you have the offense and them doing its thing, this could be potentially good, maybe for Tennessee. Tennessee moving into a modern offense is going to be good for them. It's needed because, <laughs> I'll tell you guys, it's going to be nice to watch an offense that actually has a pulse and actually looks like it, it's going to have fun. And that's one of the things he, he talked about yesterday in, the, in his press conference is having fun. And I think with this offense, I think a lot of players on offense, they're going to have a blast playing in it. Like, get ready to put up points. And with Tennessee's schedule, I mean, there's potential there for a six-win season. Now, depending on what happens with the NCAA, probably a bowl ban. But still, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world to build up some of the confidence of some of these guys, some of these young guys, and move on to year two and see what year two holds for them. Now, pulling up the schedule... Three home home games to start out with, with their schedule, and three home games to close it out with. Bowling Green, Pitt, Tennessee Tech. Pitt may be the one loss out of that first three games, but you, there's a scenario where Tennessee goes 3-0. They do have a rough stretch there, starting with Florida, Mizzou. You got South Carolina, Ole Miss, back-to-back home games. Then you got Bama. Then you got a bye, and then you got Kentucky. So that's going to be a rough stretch right there. And then you got Georgia after Kentucky. But then you got South Alabama and Vanderbilt at home to close out the season. So there's potentially five wins there. I Because I, Pitt, I, they're bringing back Kenny Pickett at quarterback. So that's huge for them. But they're losing some talent on the defensive side to the NFL. So that's really going to hurt early on for them in the second game of the season. And depending on what happens with spring practice and all this stuff. Because... I mean, COVID's still out there. You don't know how this upcoming season's going to be handled. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But there's a scenario in which Tennessee could start 3-0, South Alabama 4-0, Vanderbilt 5-0. So there's five wins possibly right there. Because I think even with the explosive offense, I think blow out Vanderbilt. I, I think you probably beat them. But... The key is finding one game out of that stretch in the middle of the schedule to find a win. Do you find a win over South Carolina, over Frank Beamer, another first-year coach? Do Does Lane coming back to Knoxville? What is, I think that game's going to be highly explosive. Like that, it's going to be, I think it's going to be two high-scoring teams going back and forth. And Hypo's actually been Kiffin a couple times. If you look back when UCF has played Florida Atlantic, he's beaten him pretty well both times. So you got to try to find a win there, and there's a road there for six wins. It's possible. It just depends on how fast this the guys on offense pick this new scheme up, what he does on defense, what happens there. 
do they keep Kevin Steele? Because there's a potential there to have a UCF type of offense with an Auburn type of defense. <laughs> that, that would actually be really good. So I think there's a, and you know, I think we could see a scenario where Tennessee might have a year where it's kind of like that, I think, 2012 year where you had Tyler Bray at quarterback. I think it was Rajon Neal at running back, and he had a really good offensive line. You had Jim Chaney calling plays. I don't think he's going to be back, but you had him calling plays. Then you had Cordero Patterson, Justin Hunter, Derrick Rogers, and just them putting up points. And then on defense, you had Sal Sinceri running that defense, and holy crap, are they terrible. So that could be another scenario that could happen. But I do think there's a pathway for them to get six wins. The question is, will they get the six wins? Are they going to have guys that are going to step up? Again, I think this offense is going to be fun to watch. A lot of guys I feel are going to have fun playing into um, playing with this. And one quote that really kind of struck me is, with Danny White talking to the players about what they want to coach, they specifically said, we don't want to coach now, that'll take three or four years to get us to where we want to go. We want to win now. And yeah, it, people may laugh at the notion that, hey, Tennessee can win now, but I think it does show that the players are like, hey, we need a change. It wasn't working with Pruitt. It obviously wasn't. It, it just didn't look as engaged. This type of hire, this type of offense could probably really engage this team as they're putting up points <laughs> like crazy. So it's not the hire that I don't think a lot of Tennessee fans were expecting. But I do think at the end of the day, you're bringing a modern offense to Tennessee. You got some young playmakers on the outside at wide receiver, at quarterback, at running back that you can do some stuff with. And the sky's the limit and see where this offense goes and takes Tennessee because, again, this offense has had a track record of success of putting up points and being really successful. So with that being said, it's not one of the big-time guys that Tennessee fans were hoping to get. But I think this is the type of guy that will bring to what I was talking about last week, stability, consistency, where you're going to have a high-powered offense. You hope the defense does well, because let's be honest, the game is an offensive game now, and with Heupel coming in there, it's really going to bring Tennessee into the modern type of offense that's taken college football and the NFL by storm, really, if you look at it. So at the end of the day, after sleeping on it, I'm coming around on it. I'm starting to like it more and more. Again, I still wish we could have gotten one of the big guys, but given the situation where Tennessee is, it was just going to be tough to do it at all. But, again, this guy has a proven track record on offense, can really put up some points. and It should be an exciting year uh, with a high-powered offense to see if these guys have any guys that can really step up and break out in this type of offense. I feel like there's a couple guys that are itching to break out in this offense. So I'm excited to see who they are and see this team really have fun and be ex excited for something, have some excitement for once because watching this past season, there wasn't a whole lot of it. So I'm just 
excited to see these players have a little bit of fun, be more excited about where things are probably going to go in Knoxville. So with that said, everybody, that's where I'm going to leave it off for this views from the 573 Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Anchor for sponsoring. As always, be sure to check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Check us out there. Check out the Entertainment Channel as well. We're hopeful that we'll be uh, doing a midseason recap of WandaVision as the fourth episode is going to be dropping here on Friday. So me and Peter talked about doing a pod either after this episode or the fifth episode. So we'll be gearing that up in the meantime. And uh, there'll be some other movies that are going to be coming out. Godzilla vs. Kong. Holy crap, that trailer. <laughs> that trailer was stupidly amazing. It, it was... Just, it was it was wild. So you got that coming out. You got a couple other movies coming out as well. So there'll be some stuff on the entertainment channel in the meantime. But uh, we got some stuff here on views to hammer out Super Bowl. So maybe any stuff potentially coming down the line. So yeah, a lot of stuff coming up down the line. Hopefully you guys, again, are doing well, staying safe. And until then, guys, we'll talk to you next time. Peace.